Today's Good Friday worship addresses the brokenness, that very same brokenness, and has a tone that is reflective, somber, and meditative in light of the agony and painful death of Christ. Today we're going to address five nails. The nails of betrayal, political suppression, mockery, violence, and injustice. Every scripture that is read will be coupled with a nail story that we experience in our own context, in our own world today, personally, locally, and globally. We hope, church, as you hear God's word and the real-life stories that we live in today, the need for a Savior would be all the more evident, compelling you to ask for forgiveness in your own lives. This forgiveness is received and freely given only by the Son of God, who is the Son of Man, Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior of the world. The nails in your hands, the nails that you received in your way in, we encourage you and would like all of you to not let go of those nails, to not leave your hands throughout the whole service until you are instructed to do so. The nails represent the brokenness of our world, our country, our city, and our own personal lives. The sin can be revealed, and the sins that we live in today is reflected as a parent. It, it, we are parents with brokenness. We are, we are a spouse with brokenness. We are a child full of sins. We can be a co-worker full of, full, of, full of baggage, a friend. We are merely human beings, Christian or not. It's these, na- it's these nails we pray to be free from. We need a Savior. And we need a Savior to die the death that we deserved and to give us life that we could never, ever earn. And we have one. Lastly, church, though our tone is darker than normal, be comforted and reminded that our story doesn't end with Christ's death, nor does it end with his resurrection. But we look forward to the day when he returns to take us home as he makes all things new, like it once was when the Father first created the world and you and I. And on that day, we begin a new story, a story of glory. May our hearts be comforted by that in today's service. If you have any children, sixth grades and younger, we encourage you to take them upstairs. They are watching a movie. For this service will be a little bit darker than normal, and it may not be safe for your eyes, for, or for your children's eyes or ears to hear. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. 
Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. But even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by Judas, one of the twelve disciples. Judas walked over to where Jesus was to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. And one of them struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus spoke to the leading priests, the captains of the temple guard, and the elders who had come with him. Am I some dangerous revolutionary, he asked, that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day. But this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. Angered that his son wouldn't play to a crowd-welcoming 10-year-old slumdog millionaire actor, back to Mumbai, the boy's father administered a public beating. The child star arrived home following the film's Oscar triumph and had the day off school. When he wouldn't appear for onlookers outside his slum dwelling, his father, 45, launched a 30-second flurry of kicks and slaps. It was like a scene out of Slumdog Millionaire, one witness said of the incident. The mother tried to intervene, but the father didn't stop until the little boy escaped and cowered in a corner. I was so confused and stressed by my son's homecoming, the father said by way of apology. I love my boy, and I'm very happy to have him home. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. At daybreak, all the elders of the people assembled, including the leading priests and the teachers of the, of the religious law. Jesus was led before this high council, and they said, Tell us, are you the Messiah? But he replied, if I tell you, you won't believe me. And if I ask you a question, you won't answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. They all shouted, so you are claiming to be the Son of God? And replied, you say that I am. Why do we need other witnesses, they said. We ourselves heard him say it. When the entire council, then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. They began to to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you have said it. Pilate turned to the leading priests and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. Then they became insistent. But he is causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judea, from Galilee to Jerusalem. Oh, is he a Galilean? Pilate asked. When they said that he was, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction. And Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at the time. 
journalists covering the protests in Egypt have been detained by security forces and attacked by supporters of Egypt's president in the capital, Cairo. Reporters say that they have been targeted by angry supporters of the Egyptian president who view the news media as sympathetic to anti-government demonstrators. One of Voice of America's reporters says mobs twice tried to attack their team in Cairo. People were very angry and were waving their fists at us and were cursing at us, he said. One person was there, a bystander, said they were going to kill us. Egyptian state television news anchors and commentators have vilified foreign media, labeling them as traitors and spies. Mobs have attacked reporters from various news media, throwing rocks at their hotel windows, blocking their cars, and breaking their equipment. Journalists staying at the Ramses Hilton Hotel next to Tahrir Square, the epicenter of the protests, say they have moved to other locations for fear of being attacked. A representative of the the New York-based committee to protect journalists says these attacks are part of a government campaign. This, by no stretch of the imagination, can be the act of individuals, he said. It is well organized, it is systematic, and it is persistent. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. He asked Jesus a question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law stood there shouting their accusations. Then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Finally, they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends that day. A teacher at an Edmonton Catholic school alleges she endured two and a half years of harassment from a female student, including a false sexual assault accusation, but was denied her request to have the student removed from her classroom. The teacher received profane messages and emails on Facebook, and threatening notes such as, you can't run away from me, from a student in Bonnie Doon. The threatened teacher who was born and raised in Edmonton argues she was treated differently from other teachers working in the school system because of her ethnic ancestry. On April 14, 2009, the teacher received what she called a hate letter in which the student called her various demeaning names. In an earlier letter of apology, the student says, After all you did for me, I had to go out and do things for you. I feel so stupid. I'm sorry, says the letter. Under questioning, the school teacher said she had a positive rapport with students in her classes. She did not accept students as Facebook friends, she added. The hearing still continues. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders along with the people, and he announced his verdict. You brought me this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. 
I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence, and I find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty, so I will have him flogged, and then I will release him. Then a mighty roar rose up from the crowd, and with one voice they shouted, Kill him, and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. And Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus. But they kept on shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he demanded, Why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. So I will have him flogged, and then I will release him. But the mob shouted together louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die, as they had demanded. And as they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder. But he turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a dry a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as the sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
Church, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners like you and me, not to condemn us, not to condemn the world. Christ prayed for us and for our salvation, asking that we be forgiven as we were in the act of crucifying him. Therefore, with him, let us intercede on behalf of the suffering world. So church, let us pray. Father, our creator, you made an agreement, God, with your people and made good on your promises, even though it meant coming to us as one of us in frail human flesh, subject to the same temptations and sin as us. Yet you did not give in to sin's rule, instead meeting it with your love and justice for all of creation in Jesus Christ the Lord. As your church, God, we too often stand off in the distance, turning our eyes away from the suffering of your world. Focused on our own pain and looking upon that of others, we run away, and then, Lord, we hide. So, Father, we, turn, we pray, turn our eyes to you, where still you hang on the crosses of human sin. Unite your church and rouse us to holy, righteous anger, that we may confront evil with your compassion and be your body, reaching our arms wide to the world with your love. So, Father, may we continue to in prayer for all those who cannot pray and for those who have no one praying for them. So, Father, we ask all these things in your Son's precious Lord, in your precious name. Amen. Father, uh, church, let us say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. The Nail of Violence. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child, and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? A Canadian-born journalist working for the Associated Press in Afghanistan was shot and wounded Friday when a police officer opened fire on her vehicle. A German photographer traveling with her was killed in the attack. The journalist, 60, who grew up in Timmins, Ontario, was traveling in the Tani district along with her friend and colleague, an Associated Press photographer from Germany. They were with a convoy of Afghan election workers delivering ballots ahead of Saturday's presidential elections 
and were under the protection of the Afghan National Army and Afghan police. According to a Canadian reporter with ABC News, one of the Afghan police commanders who had been accompanying them on security detail turned his weapon on them. They were shot point blank by a policeman who had been with them for most of the day, the reporter told CTV's Canada AM from Kabul. Up until the point where they were shot, there was no indication this policeman had any intention of violence. Suddenly, he walks up to the car as they're sitting in the back seat, opens fire, shouts, God is great, in Arabic, and then raises his hands and turns himself in. Afghan police say the attacker wanted to avenge family members who died in a NATO bombing. The journalist's friend, 48, was killed instantly, according to an AP television freelancer who witnessed the shooting. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So, you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Truth and Reconciliation Commission, TRC, was formed to reveal the truth about the Indian residential school system, a devastating part of Canadian history. Over a 130-year span, more than 150,000 Indigenous children attended boarding schools funded by the government and run by churches. Isolated by their families and communities, many children suffered physical, psychological, and sexual abuse, and were often prohibited from speaking their languages or expressing their culture. Alongside this deep grief, consistently and impossibly present, is a tangible sense of hope. The reporter says, I have found hope in the incredible courage of people who choose to remember the very things they want to forget. I see hope in the ways that people survived incredible suffering, displaying inconceivable resilience, Hope shows itself in the fact that against all odds, indigenous peoples have preserved or recovered languages, cultures, and traditions, and thriving has replaced survival as a personal and community expectation. 
the Indian residential schools were part of an official national policy of assimilation. The statement of apology delivered by the Prime Minister on June 11, 2008 confirmed this intent. Two primary objectives of the residential school systems were to remove and isolate children from the influence of their homes, families, traditions, and cultures, and to assimilate them into the dominant culture. This policy to erase the identity and diverse cultures of Canada's original peoples left virtually no family, community, or nation untouched. But ultimately, it failed. The truth of this tr truth and reconciliation process is that Indigenous nations, in th their diversity, refused to be erased from the Canadian story. What I find most hopeful is how so many Indigenous peoples continue to offer welcome and to claim that our future is a shared journey of living into the ancestors' original visions of mutuality. We are all treaty people, and it is possible to realize shared responsibility through honesty and respect. It's a humbling invitation. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. It was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. It's not enough to glory in the shadow of the cross. The trauma of a crucified Messiah breaks into our world and requires a response, an indignant response in the face of death's destruction and a defiant ministry to life. As the hymn writer captured it with these words, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. With his prayer that we be forgiven, our Lord from the cross asks that we lay down our nails, our nails of sin, our indifference to the suffering of others. So as we participate in communion this morning, you're invited to give up the nails of your sin, nails of apathy or selfishness or mockery or fear you won't fit in, or deliberate ignorance in knowing how others suffer so we can maintain our lifestyle of pleasure. The nail that you've been holding this morning can represent many things, many sins. And in a moment, you will have the opportunity to come and to offer it to Jesus, dropping it in the buckets that are here across the front of the platform. And as you do, our prayer is that the weight of the sin that you have carried in with you to this service this morning would be lifted, and you would know the sweet release of the chains of guilt and bondage, that you would know the love and forgiveness 
of our crucified Savior. So in a moment I'll pray, and then you're invited to come. And to try to do this in a somewhat orderly and efficient manner, we will start with the first row of each section. And we just ask that you move to your right into the aisle that would be to the right of where you're sitting. And then come, offer your nail in in the bucket that is in front of each of your sections. And then Pastor Ed and myself and Pastor Ken and Brad Liskey will be standing here with the elements. And you can take those elements and then just move back to your seat. And then as you sit there and as you reflect on the grace of Jesus, and then as you are led on your own, that you would then just take the elements, maybe even with your spouse or a friend that you came with. We are instructed to do this, to remember Jesus' death. And so it makes sense only if you have personally received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you have put your faith and trust in him. And so the elements that you receive, the bread represents his body. And Jesus said, take and eat. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And the cup, which represents his shed blood, drink from it, he said, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Today there will be silence. Nothing but the movement of our feet and the sound of the nails and the weight of the sin being released. And so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, our hearts do overflow with love and with gratitude today as we reflect on the death of your son Jesus. Father, there are many things that we have touched on as we have read the biblical account of the last moments of your son Jesus' life. And perhaps there has been something that we've been reminded of, that as we have played with this nail in our hands or held it or felt the, the sting of the point or whatever it's been, Lord, that you have impressed on our hearts a sin that we need to release to you this morning. I pray for each one here that you would give us something specific, something tangible that we could leave here at the altar this morning. And so as we come to eat this bread and drink this cup, we do so in remembrance of all that you have endured, in remembrance of your death, so that we might have life. Amen.